If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up. Uh, Exodus chapter, uh, the end of chapter 2 is where we're going to start. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and you would love a free one, uh, we would love to gift one to you. Uh, just raise your hand and we'll get uh, Corbett to run one to you. And so, so as we get started, let me preface it by saying this. We are in a, uh, a fun but yet also a challenging season here at Merge as we uh, begin to uh, plant some roots in our new city as, as we collectively try to engage a brand new uh, year. And, and I feel like we are in a unique position as we get started uh, to, to do really two main things. Uh, number one, to remind uh, some of the mergers who have been here for a while, um, some guides that we like to use when it comes to growing in life with God. Uh, and then if you are a guest here with us this morning, we, we want to say thank you very much. Uh, but we also want to kind of give you an idea about what, what matters to us here at Merge as you kind of kick some tires uh, and try to say, okay, these people are weird, but are they too weird not to come back? And, uh, but but our, our desire is that we would become a church uh, where collectively we are growing in Christ together. Uh, we believe that there's power in that kind of community. We believe that we are able to do more together uh, than we can uh, separate it. And, and one of the best ways, I believe, to grow in Christ uh, is to ask questions and to ask lots of them. Uh, I don't know if you grew up in a church culture where um, that was not advised uh, or in some way that God did not like you asking questions. Uh, I find myself reading the Bible, uh, and you, you find people over and over and over again hear God tell them something, and they're like, hold on, time out. Let, let's discuss this. Uh, and so I, I believe very firmly that we should be asking uh, some really important questions when it comes to our growth. And I think um, some of the questions as we talk about life here at Merge is, is what kind of biblical community uh, do you want to be involving yourself with? Uh, what, uh, what's your next steps when it comes to life here at Merge? And I think uh, for some that's going to mean uh, taking that step from just showing up on Sundays to uh, getting involved in some of the things that God is doing here at Merge, uh, maybe specifically things that we have going on on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have an incredible opportunity uh, to serve kids, and I'm not giving you a plug uh, today, but if you're like, oh, man, I like kids. Well, we like kids too. Um, and, and so maybe for some it's going to be that step. Maybe for others it's going to be taking that step into saying, okay, you know, I do like the people here at Merge, uh, and I'd like to spend a little bit more time with them. And so maybe uh, blocking out some time in your schedule on Wednesdays uh, to, to open up the Bible together and to pray with one another, that that would be uh, really helpful. For some, it's going to mean uh, taking part with people who are doing things this summer. Uh, the last couple of years, Misty and me and a group of mergers uh, have spent time, and basically it's, it's a local missions trip uh, where we've served as counselors at Camp Akiva where we serve uh, kids in the foster care system, and, uh, and it's an incredibly challenging but rewarding uh, and exciting uh, experience, and so maybe maybe that's for you, as you say, okay, when it comes to life here at Merge, or perhaps um, we have some Merge partners, and you say, okay, I want to be part of what God is doing there as we combine uh, those resources, and then, then maybe for others, the step is asking ourselves, uh, not what's my next step here at Merge, but what's my next step in life with God? Uh, I, I think uh, we should be asking questions about, for instance, you know, what is God uh, telling you husbands 
about shepherding your family as well? What is, uh, what is he telling us parents about living a life worth emulating for our children? Uh, a life that proclaims the gospel. What, what does that look like today? How can we be doing that more purposeful, more better? What, what's, what's God uh, telling you kids about honoring your father and your mother and, uh, and bringing pride to your family name? And, and I think, uh, uh, and most importantly, what is God telling us about investing in the lives of people who are very far from God, uh, who need to find rescue in Christ? And I'll tell you, uh, the, the importance of that question uh, is, is really dangerous. Because God will answer questions like that. We just have to be brave enough to listen, to open our ears, to remove some of the distractions. Uh, that, that God does speak. That we, we serve a God who is always advancing for the glory of His name. Always. He never takes a day off from that. And... And so, so since that is true, we need to understand that the location of our lives and the location of our church uh, should always be on the frontier of his steps. Uh, wherever he is going, that is where we long to be, that we would walk in step with him at his pace, uh, that we would avoid getting too far ahead of him, saying, God, look what I'm doing for you. Come be impressed with all of my movements, uh, and that we would avoid lagging behind uh, in, in fear that we would miss out on him doing something incredible that we would miss seeing. And, and so I think this is why uh, we use some guides here uh, at Merge, and it's not just a clever tagline, but, but that we, 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 we want to show love, we want to seek adventure, and we want to build community. Uh, in fact, these next two week, three weeks we're going to talk about it, but today we're going to talk about seeking adventure, next week we'll talk about building community, and then we're going to spend a whole six weeks on the importance of, of showing love. Uh, but, but I think it's important for us to be guided by certain principles. And, and as we look at seeking adventure, uh, the Bible is, is full of adventures like this. Uh, in fact, uh, they, they serve as places of encouragement to know that you are not alone as you pursue adventures of the God size. And I believe firmly that, that God invites you into his adventure for the glory of of his name, and, and we're going to see this fleshed out in, the, in possibly a very familiar scene for you uh, if you spent much time in church or if you've just watched The Prince of Egypt. Uh, all right? Uh, we're going to go to a very familiar scene, uh, and we're going to see God call someone out to adventure in a very peculiar way. And I love the fact that it's peculiar because it draws our attention to it. And so let's, let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we are very mindful and thankful for your word this morning. We, we know that you've given it to us for a great reason, that it helps guide us, that it lights our paths, that it helps us understand, most importantly, your incredible love for us poured out in Jesus. And I pray as we uh, get to talk about Moses this morning that, that we would hear your Holy Spirit call us to adventure. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Okay. I'll tell you this, one, one of the greatest misunderstandings, and this was my experience um, when I first came to Christ, and, and perhaps it might be yours, or hopefully not, um, is that you get saved, right? Um, you do all the, the Baptisty things that you do to get saved. Uh, you wait until your deacon's there, and then you go down to the altar, and then they pull out the Romans road, and you say it in this very specific way. Um, but I remember uh, when, when I first came to Christ, I got saved, and then I was very confused as to what to do with the rest of my life. 
Because the pinnacle of every, my existence was, well, you need to get saved. And then it was like, oh, well, you're saved. Good to go. Uh, and now everything else that you do with your life is just this holding pattern until God decides to kill you. Uh, and then you get to go to heaven, and then, then that's where the fun really started, where you get to play basketball all day long. Uh, and and then, then it became golf, but um, I'll be 6'5 in heaven, I've decided. So um, I'm going to be playing basketball. Uh, again, I've identified myself as a 6'5 person. Um, and so, so but, but that, was the, that was the idea, that, that the remaining part of your life was spent just simply not getting in trouble, right? Uh, doing Christian-y things. Uh, make sure that you have KLTY preset on your radio. Uh, so if you get pulled over, you could roll down the window and be like, oh, I'm just praising Jesus. That's why I'm driving so fast, right? Uh, but, but there's really nothing else to do with your life. And that's, I think that's, the, that's a gross misunderstanding as to why God has saved you and what God wants to do in your life. And, and, and when I think when this is the case, we fail to see a larger picture of what God is doing as he shows his love uh, to the world, that, that God saves you so that your life can serve as a beacon of hope and a testimony of his goodness. And so, so there's there's a purpose for life after your salvation prayer, and it's a call to live in this great adventure that God is telling, which is much larger and much better than any of these really small adventures that we want to create that are really just hobbies uh, in our lives. And and so and this is why we pursue a deeper relationship with Him. That's why we spend time uh, in disciplined uh, prayer, in disciplined reading of his word and and in community with one another so that we can be encouraged, that we can be challenged uh, to spur one another on in love and good deeds, as the Bible would say. And and I think there are times in your life when when God will come in and he will tell you to change your speed. Either you're going too fast or you're going too slow or he'll say, I want you to go in this direction. And he says, you say, no, 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 no. I thought we agreed that we were going to this place. And he says, no, 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 you were never going to that place. You were always going in that direction. Uh, and usually in hindsight, you can see what he has been doing. And, and this is what we get to see uh, this morning in Moses' life. Okay? Now, just to get us all on the same page, let me, let me tell you, when Moses was a baby, uh, there were some very specific things going on uh, that caused him to be born into a unique situation. Okay? Uh, you have in Egypt, the nation of Israel has come in there and they've started to procreate uh they've expanded but they are very much a slave nation inside the nation of israel uh and before you know it pharaoh realizes that they are making kids at a rate that is alarming to them uh because god has told them in the bible to be fruitful and multiply and they're like high five on that uh and so and so uh, they start to curb the population control of the israelites uh, and this causes when moses is born causes his parents to, in their efforts to rescue him, to keep him safe from danger, uh, they literally put him in a basket and send him down the river. Uh, and you're like, that's not good. Like, CPS probably needs to be called on that. Uh, and so, uh, because God in his goodness has a plan for Moses' life, uh, Moses ends up floating down this river, and he ends up right in front of Pharaoh's house, where Pharaoh's daughter finds him, brings him out. Now, his sister has been watching all of this unfold. And she comes in and she says, I noticed that you see this Hebrew boy uh, and that you love him and you want to take care of him. How about I go find a woman who is able to nurse him 
um, while he is needing to be weaned. And, uh, and so turns out she knows a person, uh, his mom. Uh, and so for 40 years of Moses' life, he lives in the palace. Uh, he lives as a son of Pharaoh. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, this really interesting thing happens. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew person, and he ends up stepping in and killing the Egyptian, uh, buries him, right? The next day, he sees two Egyptians, uh, two Israelites or Hebrews fighting, and he comes in, and he breaks it up. And he's like, why are you all fighting? And he's like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And all of a sudden, what Moses thought was done in secret was very revealed, and so he flees because he knows someone's coming after him. And so he ends up by a brook, uh, and he is sitting, and he sees this, the daughter, seven daughters of uh, what will end up being his father-in-law, and they're in danger, and he comes to their rescue. Uh, and then he spends the next 40 years of his life married to uh, Zipporah, uh, and he works as a shepherd for his father-in-law, who is Jethro, uh, a Midian priest, uh, which I think it's just fun to say Jethro. Um, and so, so he does this for the next 40 years of his life. Uh, and, then, uh, and then Exodus chapter 2 wraps up this way. Here we go, in verse 23. During those days, okay, uh, during those days the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for, what's that word? Help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob, uh, which is told in the earlier parts of the book of Genesis. And God saw the people of Israel, and this is why I like you to circle in your Bible, and God knew. God heard them, and God knew. And so God sees and he hears the cries of his people, and he's going to deliver them from their oppression, but but what I want you to notice this morning is that we're at an origin. Uh, we are. Uh, it, this is all going to start with a small flame in a big desert. That, that's what is, God is going to do. That that God is going to be speaking to someone who was just an ordinary man in the middle of an ordinary day. Okay. Now this isn't going to turn into a superhero story. Okay. He's not going to wear a cape. Uh, he will wear a robe, um, but he won't wear a cape. Uh, but, but here's what I want to see. Verse number 1 in chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, you know, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, and, and I love this idea that Moses literally said this out loud, maybe. I will turn aside and see to this great sight why this bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And so, so let's see this and let's, let's attempt just for the moment not to church it up, okay? Uh, let's, let's not try to say, oh, well, that's Moses. He's, he's a pretty big deal. Uh, he ends up being a pretty big deal. But in this moment, you need to understand that Moses is some guy who has woke up on some day. In fact, Moses went to bed uh, the night before, much the same way that we do, 
You know, you, you kind of wrap up the day and you start thinking ahead, right? Maybe, uh, maybe you, you start trying to think through a scenario. Maybe you say, okay, well, we need to get this done. We need to get that done. Or, or maybe you're stuck with like two lines of a song in your head and it's Taylor Swift and you're just like, God, please either kill me or get it out. Uh, and you're like, I wouldn't have listened to it, but there was a five-year-old in the back seat that if you turn it off, I'm going to kill you. Uh, and you're like, well, she might do it. Um, and so, so, so this is just a guy. This is just Moses. In fact, there's no angel that comes to him the night before. There's no letter that shows up in the mail that says, hey, pay attention because something's going to happen tomorrow. Right? He's just woke up. He just got his sheep. He's out in the field. This is what he does with his life. And this is, this is what I want you to know at the very beginning. And you can follow along in your talk notes that, that, that God can take your very ordinary day and turn it into an extraordinary adventure. At any point, he can take the normalcy of your life and say, we're about to do something extraordinary. So this is just another Monday for Moses in the wilderness. And and there's a spark that creates a flame. And out of that flame, eventually, a nation will be released from bondage. Huge. Now, here's what you need to know about the burning bush. um, Because I, I grew up thinking that it was something very uncommon in the desert. That's why you would see it. Uh, it. Really, it's not, because in the desert, where they were at, uh, it was common for these thorn bushes just to burn up in the heat of the day. The sun would come in, uh, very much like when we're on burn bands out here in uh, the middle of nowhere. Uh, and so so it was common for them to walk in the fields, and they would see this bush burn up, and then it would flame out. But but what was unique about this one is that it was just it was just a constant flame. It was just going. He says, that that's Interesting, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, it does something that's very unique to bushes. Um, it speaks. <laughs> it says, "Hey, Moses, Moses." And and now here's the way: I'm not I'm not, I'm not saying that necessarily tomorrow your stapler uh, is going to speak to you from your desk and commission you to China, um, even though crazier things in the Bible have happened. Okay, check it out. Um, but but I am saying that that God speaks in these very ordinary moments of your life. Uh, that, that God speaks in very ordinary circumstances, very ordinary situations all the time as this way of inviting you into an adventure with Him. Now the challenge is that we would either slow down or be willing enough to open our ears to hear and then daring enough to actually put steps to that wooing, that, that commissioning. And and so here, here's what, this is what Moses is going through verse number five then he said okay this is the this is god speaking to moses don't come near right take your off take your sandals off your feet for the place you are standing is holy ground and he said i am the god of your father okay so i think in this moment moses is like okay what is this and he's like hey just to assure you i am the god of your father the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob and it says this that moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God and rightfully so. Rightfully so. And so here's our, our next blank is that, that God will do extraordinary things at first, uh, that at first begin as small steps. As he's wooing, as he's commissioning, what's the first thing he tells them to do? You're like, this is a trick question. Take off your shoes the first step you do this every day right 
just take off your shoes. And this is, I want you to understand, this is the very first step that God tells Moses. And, and now, uh, keep this in mind, that out of this bush, God is going to free a nation. And it starts with this very small step of obedience from Moses. Take off your shoes. You can't come any closer until you do that. And, and now, here's what I know about me, and maybe you, because I hope you're just as dysfunctional as I am, that, that, that we don't like the concept of small steps, do we? We want giant leaps. We want, we want end results. Because we know that at the end of it, we can either be proud and we get the reward of it, right? Uh, or we can have the hindsight of, boy, I didn't want to do that at all. Okay, but, but it's these small steps that give us the greatest cause for concern when it, when it comes with God. And we forget that it's small steps. It's, it's how you create momentum. You realize that? If you just bound out, you have no momentum going forward. But if you start building steps, and each step leads to the next one, before you know it, you have momentum and you have a force behind you that pushes you through some of the most difficult circumstances that you're going to face. And so, so I, I know we don't like that, but, but maybe that's why we don't adventure, right? That's why we don't adventure specifically with God, and maybe that's why you get here and you're like, gosh, life with God is boring. Because you haven't done the first thing that He's asked you to do which is a pretty simple task. Take off your shoes. And so, but I want, I'll watch what God is doing here. He tells Moses to take a very small step by taking off his sandals. And once that happens, what does God do? He's going to reveal the next step, which we have an issue with, right? Because if God would just tell me everything that I need to do and how it's going to play out, then... I will gladly do whatever that is that he's asking me to do. And we forget that's not the way he works because that doesn't involve any faith. He's given you the, the greatest amount of faith you need in the sense that he says, I will always be with you. And as we go into what to you is the great unknown, I am always with you. And so... So once this happens, though, God is going to reveal the next step. And this is the way the relationship works uh, because we're going to find out that God's desire is that we would adventure with him more than we would adventure for him. You with? If you grew up in, in a culture where everything was about what can I do to impress God, you've clearly missed what the Bible says about God's heart for you. His desire is intimacy with you. He really doesn't long for you to work for him at all. And so, so we go step by step because he knows, God knows our reliance and our provision comes from him in the first place. And then we can begin to travel at, at his speed. Verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Some of it, just as a minor pause, you need to hear that today. In the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your suffering, God knows your suffering because He is just as aware of you as He was them. He says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and a broad land and a land 
flowing with milk and honey and Dr. Pepper and Doritos and uh, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, uh, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I've said those all to perfection. Um, and then he says this in verse 9. And now behold, okay, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have see, also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. And God tells Moses something that Moses has known for 40 years as he's lived in the desert. He says, he says I've seen the oppression of our people. I've seen their difficulty, and I've come to deliver them. And I think this is, again, something that Moses was very aware of. And I can imagine this moment of excitement building on Moses' face or even tears of joy beginning to stream as he thinks about the oppression that his mother and his father and his sister has lived under and the thought that for the first time in, the, in their lives, in the whole generation lives, that the Israelites will experience freedom. And I can imagine him almost just wanting to start the slow clap for the standing applause. And then verse 10 happens in Moses' life. He says, come. This is God speaking to Moses. I will send you to Pharaoh uh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And this is where I wish if you had sound effects going in your Bible... It's like a screeching break stopped. Like, and Moses is like, wait, what, what, what? What, what are we discussing now? Uh, I like the first part of that, where people are free, but wait, me? You're, you're calling me? I, I got sheep. I got to take care of sheep. That's what I do. It's a busy Monday. Right? I'm living in the field with some sheep. I'm too busy to do that other thing. And here's, what, here's what's happening for Moses, and I think it's important for, for us to hear when it comes to walking in the light of the gospel and all that God does, that, that your next blank is that because God hears the cry of the broken, don't be surprised when he calls you to be part of their rescue. You with? Because God hears the cry of the broken, don't be surprised when he uses you to be part of that rescue because that's the way he has always really done it. I can take you to places in the Bible time and time again. I can take you to port, ports, uh, that's points and parts combined, new word. Let's get it in the school, in the dictionaries. Um, there have been parts of my life when I've seen God move in that very specific direction, using very specific people for very specific tasks. And so we need to realize that God doesn't just let you in on this plan for rescuing people who are broken, but he's including you in that. And so, so one of the most beautiful things I've had the privilege of witnessing here over our years at Merge is, is exactly that, is, is God wooing and whispering and yelling and moving people for the glory of his name, specifically into adventures that are worth celebrating, worth telling, uh, that, that I've seen him use our collective body to go into some very painful and, and awkward and messy circumstances while allowing us to show His love and be part of someone else's miracle. I've got, I've got to see that. And it's worth celebrating. It's worth saying, hey, that's why we do this. It's, it has never been about building a church full of people. I have no desire, okay, and I want you to hear this 
because I think it's helpful to, for, for me to say this, okay? Uh, for you to remind me at times. I have no desire to be the largest church in the city. I do have a desire to be the most effective church in our city. I, I have no desire to compete with other churches because if we are biblical, uh, we understand we are all part of one body. So our desire very specifically here is that we would understand that we would show love, we would seek adventure, we would build community. And in that seeking of those adventures, we would understand that at times God will call you into some of the darkest, most painful places because he has specifically equipped you to be a light in that darkness. That's the way it works. And and what you need to hear this morning is that, that as God opens your eyes to see hurt and to see pain, he, he wants you to understand. He does this in order to commission you into activity, into adventure. And he wants you to feel the weight of those things until it moves you. And it doesn't move you to get rid of it. It doesn't move you to drown it out. Uh, to get busy so that you don't have to look in that direction. The worst things we do as Christians in our society is walk around like this. And we say, if I don't see it, then it doesn't exist. And the Bible very specifically says you've got to open your eyes. You have to see the things that you want to be blinded to. Because that is how God does incredible things. And, and we come across people all the time that are like the Israelites that are crying out to God, that are trapped in bondage, and you see it. And you may even throw up a prayer in their direction one time, uh, but that's, that's not adventuring with God. That's outsourcing that adventure. And so the plan for God, of God for Moses is not complicated, is it? But with step one, take off your shoes. Step two, go to Egypt. <laughs> that, that's the huge plan. And out of that, God is going to deliver the, uh, the Israelites. And, and it's not even an invitation, is it? It's a call. I don't know where when we hear God that we think that it's up for discussion. I, I really don't. And I, I'm saying this to you because I say it to me and I'm still dealing with it, okay? That God's not calling. He doesn't say, hey, hey, Mo, come here, man. Um, I got this issue in Egypt. Uh, there's some Israelites, some people of ours, they're trapped in bondage. Um, got a suggestion? No. God knows very clearly what he wants to do. And he's not even given Moses multiple choice on this, is he? Now, we have to be careful because we live in a society where we demand multiple options. And we think it's very unfair of anybody that doesn't give us multiple options. And God doesn't. Very clearly does not. He he doesn't suggest this. He calls Moses to it. That, that he speaks and he commissions because he knows better than we do and he recognizes just how powerful we can be when we are adventuring and walking at his speed, doing his things. That we need to get to a place where we can acknowledge that when God is calling you to go, he knows exactly what's going on and that he is not rolling the dice with your life. Isn't that our issue with faith? That boy, again, if I knew exactly how this was going to play out, not a problem. But, but I really feel like God doesn't know what he's doing here, and he's just rolling some dice. And he's just, they're all like up in heaven crossing their fingers. Um, and that's not the way it works. Let me, verse 11. 
and we're, we're about, about done. I lied about the condensed lesson, by the way. Uh, I started that, and I was like, this isn't going to happen. Um, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, again, very valid question, right? And we value that here. Uh, we, we want you to bring your questions regardless of where you fall in, in life with God. Uh, if you are on the outskirts looking in, if you were just dipping your toes into the water with him, uh, we believe you should be allowed to ask those questions. So this is what Moses says. Who am I uh, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And in verse 12 he said, uh, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Okay? Now, we're not going to get into the whole Exodus because it gets really good. Um, we don't have time for that because Chris is already saying, wrap this up. Uh, but, but what you need to know is as Moses goes, uh, they end up back at this mountain. They end up back at this sign where God says, I have provided for you. I have done these things through you. So let me give you one quick final thought. That, that when God says he is going to do something extraordinary around you, which is what he's done, right? He says, hey, we're releasing them. We're keeping them free. But when God says he's going to do something extraordinary around you, avoid thinking that he can't do it through you. Avoid that. Because this is what Moses says. Who am I? Right? Who, who am I? And then in his mind, he's like, I can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that through me. And the question is, why would we try to minimize that when he's equipped us with the Holy Spirit? When he says, I've, I've given you the Spirit to help serve you in these moments, to help embolden you in certain situations, to, to move you when you don't really necessarily are looking to move. And, and, and we, we have the Holy Spirit for our benefit, but we also have it for the benefit of others as he empowers us for mission. And so, so let me tell you what happens, okay? Because, because, again, the easy thing to do is to think Moses has always been Moses, right? Uh, with his Charleston Heston-like looks and walking around with his, you know, awesome tablets. Uh, but, but, but at this point, this is just a guy who is born into a situation. Okay? And, and so, so from here, from where Moses just asked that question for almost a full chapter... All he does is give God excuses for why he is wrong. For why God is wrong. I can't do this. I'm not good at that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You know? And every time God has been very, very patient. And, and he, he comes in and his answer is simply this. Moses will, will keep coming back to really this, this first question. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And, and, and God will come in and says, it doesn't really matter right now who you are. It matters who I am. And what I'm doing is I'm moving you into something great and beautiful. And people's lives are literally going to be saved because of it. And so, why, why would God, and this is, as you experience burning bushes in your life, and answer me this question, why would God tell you these things if he didn't have a role for you to play in them? Right? Why would God wake some of you up in the middle of the night 
Why would God bring someone to your mind over and over and over again as if you can't shake them? Why would God cause this, this really awkward feeling in your gut when you are in certain situations and when you see certain people? Why would God make you aware of those things if he wasn't moving you into the adventure of his rescue in those things? Why would he? This literally is a need-to-know situation. This is what I love about the body, because we all have those moments. And each one of us, as we go on those adventures, we go in God's name, and we unite together to find encouragement and strength and security in those adventures. So this, this begins with this, this burning bush. And we can, we can start wrapping this up. Uh, this begins with this burning bush. And this is where I want us to kind of wrap some thought around that what is that for you what what adventure are you currently seeking not just alone but with your family maybe not just your family but a couple of families uh, what is that adventure and you say well I, I don't have one. Tomorrow's an an ordinary Monday. Are you expecting or open to God to open your eyes to a bush that is burning but it's not flaming out? I I don't have an adventure. I I see some of my friends they have incredible adventures and uh, and, it's, and again it has nothing to do with like climbing Mount Everest. Um, that's an adventure, but it's a much smaller one when it comes to the adventures of God. They say, I don't, I don't have an adventure of the God size that I'm pursuing. My question would be simply this. Have you asked? Have you, have you opened your heart to the possibility that God is calling you to go do something for someone else? Because it's, it's my danger to consistently come in and ask God why He isn't doing certain things for me and why He isn't doing certain things to me. (laughs) And if my walk with God revolves solely around myself, then I will have a hard time seeing the needs of others. I will have a hard time desiring to get out of some comfort of my own. And I will have a much more difficult time hearing the voice of God. Because we serve a God who is adventuring. And He is telling a story that's so much larger than ours. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. Chris, I'm not done yet. I'm not done. Last week, you just cut me off. Um, and as we wrap up, I want to make a couple things available to you. If you need prayer today, we, we long to pray with you. Uh, there's going to be a lot of movement when we dismiss, and there's going to be a lot of things moving in this room. We want to create a space for you. If you need to sit down and talk with somebody, uh, we're going to do that toward the back of the space. Uh, but, but Troy and Jessica and Keith and Kim, uh, they're back. We believe in the power of prayer. If you have never given your heart to Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity today. Maybe you uh, have given your heart at some point, but, but you have not given your life to him. We want to help you in that process. Nothing gets celebrated more around here than that.
if you want to stop and remember what Jesus has done to bring you into a right relationship with God through communion, we have uh, some of those elements. Now, I've been told to warn you, um, it's not grape juice today, it's cran grape, um, because the racetrack didn't have grape juice. Um, so if you're like, oh, this is the worst tasting grape juice, it's cran grape, all right? And if you're allergic to cranberries, don't drink it. Um, all right, that, now I'm, I'm about done. All right. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we are just so very thankful for your goodness. We thank you that you call us into adventuring with you. We thank you that you bring us to the end of ourselves so that we can see you do incredible and mighty and praiseworthy things. I pray that we would be a people of courage, that we would be willing to walk and adventure both together, but most importantly with you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.